Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent, and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall, shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my load is light. Father, I do pray that you'll guide us into these, your words. That we might hear and understand and be willing to follow as you lead us. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. To be really honest, I am tired. I feel tired from my boots to my collar tips, and everything in between. It's been a long week, but I got the novel done. Crystal, let's see now, this is the second one, so it's Crystal Solid Gold Discovery. You'll want to remember that title. Crystal Solid Gold Discovery is done, and she is such a great girl. This 14-year-old girl is the daughter that you've always wanted, or the girl you've always wanted to be if you're only a 10, 11, or 12-year-old girl. Just as I finished up chapter 9 and got into last chapter, chapter 10, I was sitting at the typewriter, literally crying, because she is such a sweet thing. I just love her. But it's all done and sent to Janet, and she is hard at work on it now. In fact, I talked to her yesterday, and she's typing the final draft. And I got the two articles written that I wanted to get written, and I got the sermons written for this morning, and I got the living room painted and the dining room painted, and uh, I haven't had time for a round of golf. It was all right. 83 at Elkins, but it could have been better. But I'm tired. And Mike and I baked two pies. And ate them. They were great. Thank you for the peaches, Rose. Those were good. But you know, I've been tired for a long time. I remember once in, uh, I think it was 1976, in August, it was in the afternoon. I wasn't tired. But other than that, I've been tired a long time. I remember when I first started to get tired. It was in 1967. Before that, before the summer of 1967, I wasn't tired too much. Uh, everything was going along uh, was pretty relaxed. I put in long, hard hours, maybe 12 uh, hours a day uh, out on the ranch sometimes, the longer. But, you know, I remember when I came home, I had nothing to do except say, what's on TV tonight? I haven't said that in 18 years. And then something happened. Jan and I, in fact, had so much time, we, we started in the summer of 1967 reading the Bible. We didn't have any Christian friends. We were not Christians. We didn't go to church, but... We decided to read a Bible, and I had so much time, we didn't have anything else to do but sit around and read the Bible every night. 
And so we did. And as I read the Bible, I found out that people had a relationship with God, and we didn't, and I wanted one, and we went to church, and we found out what it meant to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I did that. And from then on, because I'm that type of person, from then on, I said, whatever happens, I want to be involved in it. If God is real, then he needs all of my life, and I have to give him everything, and I can't hold back. And so I want to intend everything that goes on. I remember after accepting the Lord, one of the first things I did is I looked at the bullet, and I said, what are the meetings of the church? I want to be at every one of them. And I, that Sunday afternoon, there was a meeting at 4 o'clock in a friendship hall, and I went. But I wasn't supposed to, because it wasn't for me. It was a committee meeting. But I went anyway. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be there. And they put me on the committee. <laughs> the first meeting I went to that week was a stewardship meeting. Can you imagine? New Christian, and I wanted to go. And give. And I've been tired ever since I became a Christian. Now, Jesus comes and says in verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I look at my life and I said, Lord, what happened to the rest? Things just picked up. So let's take a look at what kind of rest Jesus can give us. The first kind of rest he can give us, he can give us rest from eternal anxiety. You remember from Romans chapter 5, Verse 1, that therefore, because we've been justified, now we can have peace with God. Peace with God. That's eternal rest. No more anxiety over what's going to happen to me in the future. And people do worry about what's going to happen in the future. You and I have spent a lot of hours worrying about an afterlife. Whether we want to admit it or not, we worry about it. Sometime this year, I can't remember which flight, I got on an airplane, sat next to a guy, you know, there was a seat in between us, but he was next to the window, and I don't know why he was next to the window, but he was next to the window, and I was sitting in the aisle, and I, I know this guy came in, he sat down, he gripped the handles as tight as he could, and he sat like this, you know, and we were waiting 30 minutes before we took off, and he was just like this. And we got up in the air, and finally leveled off where it sort of rides along like a Greyhound bus, you know, and he was, lady came by said, would you like, you know, something to drink? Sat there. Would you like lunch? Sat there. Finally, we landed, got off. And he struggled and got off. And finally, relaxed. Now, I believe that man was a little anxious about his eternal destiny. And you and I have those same times, whether it's in the dark of the night, whether it's in a foxhole during a wartime, whether it's in a hospital bed, whether it's just times of serious contemplation, we have that kind of anxiety, and Jesus has come along and said, I can give you peace. I can give you rest from that can of turmoil. Jesus also gives us some rest from trying to satisfy our own spiritual needs. In John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he said, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. A lot of people on the face of this earth are looking somehow to satisfy their spiritual needs. And they're running around all over the place. And they're wearing themselves out trying to find satisfaction for their spiritual needs. Some people are moving up to a commune up in Oregon. Can you imagine Thousands of people spending millions of dollars uh, for some little guy from India to tell them that only stupid people believe in God and the Bible and Christianity. But they're looking. Can you imagine the number of people that are this week 
on bicycles in dark suits and dark ties riding all in every village in the United States knocking on doors because they think that is going to get them to heaven. That's a lot of hard work. I saw a picture this week of Tina Turner, rock star. She's bowing down her little Buddha in her house there. And she said, you know, I'm a Buddhist because you can make up whatever's right and wrong for yourself. Oh, isn't nice? People all over the face of the earth are working hard to try to find some spiritual satisfaction, but they aren't finding it. Jesus says, come unto me, and I'll give you rest from all of that. I'll give you rest. We can also have rest from just the old rat race that we get caught up in. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that we should be content with what we have. Paul said in Philippians 4 that he learned to live in abundance. He learned to live in poverty. He learned to live an abundant life no matter what he had in the way of material possessions. You and I can have that too. We can have rest from the rat race. Did you know that we do not have to drive a BMW or drink sparkling cool California white wine? No matter what the advertisement says. We don't have to get into that. Jesus is going to give us rest. He promises rest also from our pride. Did you notice that here as I read this morning? In Jesus' prayer, I don't know how the disciples felt when they were staying around listening to that, but here's what he said, and he meant it for us. He said, Thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babe. You know what he just said about you and I? We're not too sharp. We are not wise and intelligent. Paul said the same thing. He said, you know, he said in 1 Corinthians, there are not many noble, not many wise. God chose to reveal to who? To us simple folks, the secrets of the kingdom. Now that sets our pride aside. We don't have to maintain our pride. If somebody comes and says to you or me, you're not very wise, you're not very intelligent, we can say, hey, I knew that. The Bible told me that. You see, pride is so hard to maintain. When you have to maintain your pride, it means you do not enter any contest unless you think you can win. You do not take any class of school unless you think you can get the best grade. Do you? See, that's maintaining your pride. And Jesus is coming to me and rest. Rest. Jesus gives us rest from being a slave to sin as well. John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, remind us that we get caught in that trap of being a slave to sin. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And if Anna is a slave and puts us into slavery, then let me tell you, it is a tough and a driving and a demanding boss. Did you ever notice that sin ages you? I remember a few years ago being called in to talk to a young lady at a police station. And this young lady looked 50 years old. She was 21. Now, I happen to think looking 50 is just fine. If you're 50. In fact, it's kind of young, isn't it? But not if you're 21. But sin ages you. Whether that sin is something external or whether it's internal, 
it wears you out. Why does it age you so fast? Because you're a slave to it. And slavery isn't our natural state of existence. Jesus comes along and says, hey, you don't have to be a slave. I can set you free from that. I can give you rest. In fact, Jesus gives us rest. He says, the scriptures say, from what mankind can do to us. And we certainly live in a world of fear of mankind. We pick up the newspaper every day. We see about the crime rate. We see about uh, the murders and the thefts, the robberies and the rapes. There's a lot of fear of what mankind can do. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, does that mean if we trust in Christ, none of these bad things ever happen to us or our families? No. It means that we have rest from the anxiety of the fear of man. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I can have peace right now. Jesus also gives us rest from that continuing gnawing anxiety of daily life. Remember that verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where it says that if we cast all our cares on him, we should because he cares for us. That doesn't mean we kick back and say, well, Lord, here's my things to do list. You do them all. But it means I won't have to worry about any of those things. Whether it's the relationships or the big financial crisis or anything else, I can be free from the anxiety. I'll face them one at a time. God will give me all I need. But I'm not going to sit around being uptight about him. He's giving me rest from that. The rest of Jesus also means the rest, I think, from the tribulation that this world has for us. Remember Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, in this world there is tribulation. Pick up the newspaper this morning. The headlines that I saw said, you know, military overthrow of the government in Uganda. And all I read was far enough to see that Idi Amin is happy about it. I thought, oh, that doesn't sound too good. There is tribulation in the world. There are terrorists everywhere. It strikes close to home. I've had several people say, oh, I don't know about going to Israel next year. That's true. We live in a world with tribulation. Jesus came along and said, I can give you rest from that kind of tribulation. Does that mean Jesus is going to say that we never go through any of that? No, but it means that we have no anxiety about it. We can find real contentment in our relationship with him. He gives us rest from the fear of death. One of the reasons he came, according to Hebrews 2, chapter 15, is to deliver us from the fear of death. And mankind is born with a fear of death, and there is no person on the face of the earth that doesn't have a fear of death, no matter what they say. We can cover that one up pretty good if we want to be real macho, but it doesn't wash when our life's on the line. We're afraid like everybody else. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, I can deliver you from that fear of death, and we can have rest. We can have rest from the fear of losing our relationship with God. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10? He said that my father holds you in his hands and no man on the face of this earth, no person, no spiritual entity, nothing can take you out of my father's hand. 
There could be a lot of anxiety, a lot of turmoil, wondering whether we have a relationship with God or not. But once we accept Christ, we are secure in the Father's hand. Now that's a lot of rest that we can have. Jesus came to give us rest. Rest from eternal anxiety. Rest from trying to satisfy our own spiritual needs. Rest from the rat race. Rest from our own pride. Rest from being a slave to sin. Rest from worry about what man can do to us. Rest from those daily anxieties of life. Rest from world tribulation. Rest from the fear of death. Rest from losing our relationship with God. Now take a close look at Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28. Come to me. Jesus beckons us to him. It doesn't say in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus does not stand on the corner here and say, if anybody comes up and wants to talk to me, I'll be there. It says Jesus is reaching out, beckoning, saying, come, come, come. Jesus takes the initiative and invites us to himself. He calls us. But you know, it doesn't say here that he's calling everybody in verse 28. Who's he calling? All who are weary and heavy laden. That's who he's calling. He's calling the tired people of this world. People are tired of their fears, tired of their spiritual anxieties, tired of being a slave to sin, tired of their pride dominating their life, tired of being so afraid of the world tribulation, tired of being tied down by a fear of death. He's calling the tired and the weary. He's calling all of those who have been busy trying to work their way on up to God. He's calling for the tired folks. And he's saying, take my yoke upon you. You see, he might be calling, and he might be calling to us who need to rest, but he leaves a decision for us to make. Take my yoke upon you. We have to do something with that. We have to agree to follow his ways, to become his students, to do things the way that he instructs. We have to take his yoke upon us. And let's be clear. A yoke is an instrument of service and work. You don't put yoke on an oxen so they can dance around the rest of their life out in the pasture. You put the yoke on the oxen so they can do the work that needs to get done. Take my yoke upon you. Do my work. Now we say, wait, what's going on? I thought we'd have rest. Oh, we have rest. But the rest of Jesus does not mean that we do nothing. It means that we do his work. But notice what he said. He said that his yoke was easy and it was light. Verse 30. I like that word easy. In original sense, it could be translated to mean that his yoke wears well. When they made a yoke for a team of oxen, they would rough out 
what the yoke should look like in a general sense. And then you bring, you would bring into the carpenter, and Jesus was a carpenter, you would bring into the carpenter the exact two oxen that you were planning on using. And the carpenter would finish the yoke to exactly fit the shoulders and neck of those two oxen. So it would match perfectly. But wouldn't rub, wouldn't wear on them. It would wear well. Come unto me, it says. For my yoke wears well. The work that God wants us to do, whether that's visiting our neighbors, whether that's sharing the gospel with the children in the, in the neighborhood, whether it's teaching in Sunday school, whether it's writing a book, whatever the work is God's given us to do wears us well. I shared with you a little bit about being tired. I don't feel tired right now. Because preaching wears well with me. I'm just getting wound up. I can go on for another couple hours. God's work wears well, and the load is within your ability to complete. Jesus came to give us rest. And His rest allows us to voluntarily work hard for the advancement of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, we are always caught between extremes. We try to, to work hard to prove ourselves worthy of Your love and we realize we don't need to work but accept Your free gift of salvation. Then we accept your free gift, Father, and expect you to do everything from there on, and you have jobs for us to do. Father, help us to see the medium between those extremes. Lord, let us trust you totally for saving us. And out of enthusiasm and love, let us give ourselves, Lord, to doing the work you have for us to do. And we'll ask you to give us the strength and the joy and the peace. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.